This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1736, Top 5 MCU Movies. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Kevin Moyer. I'm Ian Levenstein. I'm Matt. And I'm Chris Everly. Yeah! Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) This episode is a long time coming, brothers. A long time coming. I'm going to make it really easy. All of them, it's one story. They're good. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love how you channeled pants right there for a moment, by the way. That was cool. Well, I'm wearing them, so it's easy. The whole late night approach. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> good to have everybody back with us again. And, uh, yes, good and, to be part again. All right. And uh, we'll, we'll try to get Murd's top five on our next yes, comic talk absolutely. since he's unable to join us uh, this uh, this evening. Yeah. But uh, it's another top five episode, and you know what that means. We list top five with possible top sixes or sevens. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> nice. And as we were discussing off the air, this was a hell of a difficult top five to assemble. Oh, yeah. I struggle yeah. with this list. Yeah, it's and hard that, to narrow it down, man. Yeah. 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 you got to really start is. picking it. Like, you really got to start find, you know, fine combing it, you know, because it's, it's, it's the only way you can try to at least get some sort of segregation to, to get it, to get it to the top five. Yeah. I, I, and then I'm, then I'm in the, uh, the minority here. I'd say about number 10 is where I was like, where would I put ones? Um, <laughs> the bottom huh. five were easy. The first eight, nine were easy. Then mm-hmm. in between there is where I start to stumble. Yeah. Mm. Well, and, and, and part of my top five to 10 are the ones that I rewatch most often, more or less. Yeah, that's that's really what I had to gauge it by. I'm, yeah, it's easy for me to you know to start going from favorites to least favorites, but it, to to narrow it down to five is where yeah. it really gets you know is really get, you know it gets difficult. My so. uh, my hardest is going to be number one because uh, I was I was saying off air to Chris before before we uh, were recording here that uh, I've 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 always set a certain movie as my number one. And I have to think about that when we get there. So uh, we'll, that's a little bit of a preview for what's upcoming. Oh, you right. sneaky, sneaky guy. <laughs> now, quick quick question here. So yeah. the end of the Infinity Saga is actually going to be with Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes. Is there Correct. any chance that, he, uh, that that movie will reach anyone's top five, or is this basically the official? Um, no, I, I think there's a chance it might, because, I mean, I'm excited for Mysterio, and oh, yeah. I'm curious to see what they do. If I part of my Part of my head thinks that, this whole quote alternate universe thing because a, a breach happened isn't isn't real that it's all Mysterio faking it. Mm. That's a good point, Shane. That's that even point. Nick Fury and Maria Hill won't be real. That it's all his doing. Yeah, it's the chameleon. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not? You know. Well, you know, you never know. You never Shane, know. Shane, that's I, a great. I, I hope you're right, Shane. Honestly, I do. So. Yeah. And, uh, and and yeah, it, it's it's possible it might make it there. I don't think it's going to for me, but you never know. 
But uh, I guess if it does, we'll have to make an addendum later on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, either way, it won't be in my top five. I'll guarantee you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and 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 of course, I'll I'll mention before we get going here. Uh, there will probably be some light spoilers uh, for the uh, movies that we're discussing here. Uh, well, and I probably I probably should have said that before talking about Spider Man too with the trailer <laughs> for those who didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It was in the. It was in the trailer. It was in the trailer. It's fine. It's fine. We're we're yeah. good. we're fine. But exactly. uh, but yeah. So if we if if you don't want to know anything about any of these movies, then don't listen to this episode. But if you do, it's the right movie. It's the right one for you. Yeah, just to remind listeners about how we do these. So for each number, we'll we'll go do a roundtable and mention what our like our number five is, for example. Then we'll go back to the first person. They'll do give a brief summary of why they chose that particular film. Yep. So. <clears throat> All right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and begin with number five. And uh, Chris, how about you go first? All right, my number five is the first Avengers film. Okay, uh, Kevin. Mine is uh, Doctor Strange. Oh. nice, Matt. I concur with Chris. First Avenger. Okay, uh, Shane. Mine's the first Guardians of the Galaxy. And mine is the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, we got some overlap here, gentlemen. Wow. Yep. All right, Chris, go ahead. All right. So, again, as I said, I struggle with this list, especially for the for the lower numbers. Uh, well, I mean, for the for the like four and five, especially. And I settled on Avengers because Avengers was the moment when you started. For me, I started to really see. All right, the vision they had for this universe. No pun intended. And I started to get the real sense of wow, they're really going to start to go all the way with this. That they're they're not just doing you know scattershot you know well made films. They're going to try to build a whole the Marvel universe in film. And the the way they captured the key characters, their interactions, the dynamic, everything was so right from the spirit of the comics. Uh, it, the movie was. I remember when we we all went to see that movie together. Most of us were together when we saw yep. that. Um, it was when I was doing one of my, my conventions, and I just remember the electricity in the air in that theater, the excitement we all felt to actually see, you know, essentially the Avengers come to life in a film with live action. And the fact that it worked was so thrilling. And, and again, I, I have to I'll, I'll end my brief statement with this, but what made, really made the movie transcend for, for, to get it to that top five was when they showed Thanos at the end. And then oh, I, yeah. I, I, remember, I remember sitting in my seat going, <gasps> like taking my breath in and going, wow, they're really going to do this. They're going to bring frickin' Thanos into all of this. And that's when I knew more than ever that we were, we were on the verge now of experiencing something really special and unique. So that's why I had to put the first Avengers uh, in my, as my number five. Oh, okay. Then I have to backtrack it for a little bit. I thought you said the first Avenger, as in Captain America. The oh, first okay. Avenger? Uh. Okay. <laughs> so you are not mind. in concurrence. No, no, no. no. I, I heard the first Avenger, and that's how I have it written here. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so switch. <laughs> switch. I forgot yeah. what order we went in. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, Kevin, you're up. Uh, I'm up. All right, whatever. I'll miss another cue. Um, Doctor Strange for me, um, when I, I remember seeing the first teaser out of it, 
and and of course seeing the the window out of the uh, sanctum sanctorum you know i was just like it gave me gave me a little chill and i was like man if they do this you know this is going to be you know one of those uh, attempts to do something with a character that is not obviously mainstream but if they do it well this movie's going to really really you know have a lot of potential uh to be a very enjoyable exciting and successful film and when i saw the first trailer and and i saw the um uh, they started showing some of the alt, you know alternate dimensions you know and and I was just like, they got it. They nailed it. They nailed it, you know? And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I, all the movies I go see, I see in 2D, you know, just a digital. I don't see 3D. I don't see, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, the IMAX versions. I only do that if a movie that I feel is worthwhile to experience for some reason, like a Godzilla movie or something like that, you know? And, and when I saw that trailer, I was like, I have to see this Doctor Strange movie in IMAX and possibly in 3D because I just like, this oh, is wow. such a visual compelling film as well as, you know, a superhero story. I was like, uh, that's the feeling I got from it. And then I went to see it and I freaking loved every minute of it. It was, it was unique. It captured all the essence of, of uh, a character that I used to love, you know, interacting with Spider-Man when I was, you know, reading comics and all the other characters. And it just, ca it just captured the whole nuance and, um, you know, the, the, the essence of that character and put it on the film, just like all the other successful Marvel MCU films. It was so straight with the character and they just nailed it. And I loved it. So. That's a great point, Kevin, because I, I had the same reaction that when I remember when I went to see Doctor Strange, I was so happy when I left the theater. I had this huge, you know, loopy grin on my face because, like you said, they they did not cut any corners. It was no. Doctor Strange. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that, that, it, I, it I was, give real props for that. It was as trippy as I was hoping it would be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I mean, I used to watch. You know, I mean, I remember reading those stories, and especially when he used to team up with Spider Man. You know, like. I mean, going into the dimensions and, you know, with the Wanda Watum and all that kind of stuff. And it was it was just so trippy and fun. And I was like, wow, if they, you know, and Ditko was just, you know, oh. he created created all those visual, uh, you know, dimensions. And they were so compelling. And with his artistic ability and style. And, and I'm like, man, if they if they capitalize on this, you know, they're they're going to nail it. And, and they yeah. did. Yeah. Yep. Good pick. My my favorite my favorite effect in that I think was still uh, uh, what pushing the uh, the spirit out of the body, and, that, and oh that, the astral oh form, yeah. yeah yep that was that was fantastic. All right, I like when he was floating in the dark dimension. That was that was just so visually amazing. That was great. Yeah. All right, Matt, with your correction. Sure. Uh, well, first I I like they picked the perfect director to yes. do the movie. Um, he. he I think the Rocketeer is highly underrated. Yes, uh, yeah. I love what he did with the Rocketeer, Joe Johnston. Uh, and then with him, the fact that he did it again for the first Avenger, I felt like he just completely copied that that feel. So I felt like I was in that era. Uh, I liked how, and I guess I've heard since that Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon did a treatment over to kind of get things ready for Avengers. So I don't know if it was him or the um, the initial writers, but uh, that's the first time I started. Being in the past, you could see a little bit of hints of foreshadowing in the future, like the Human Torch 
was back there. Um, yes. I think it was it Vita Rays. So I liked how they tied in some things that when you're watching as a fan, you go, oh, wait a minute, I know that. I know that they incorporate yeah. that in there. It also, I remember just, you know, harking back to a conversation about Endgame that uh, Kevin and I had before this movie even came out when they announced that Chris Evans was going to be Captain America. And I kept thinking of him as uh, the Human Torch. I kept thinking of him as not another teen movie. And I was like, I just see this guy in like goofy roles. How is he going to pull this off? And I exited the theater thinking, that's Captain America. Um, I just need to see him in Avengers yet to be completely convinced. And it all, and to me, even though Robert Downey Jr. is kind of like the, the face of the MCU, it, it, Captain America was always the key. That if, if you're not buying him, you're not buying the Avengers. And if you can't buy the Avengers, then everything else afterward is just going to be the DCEU. Um, and and I, that's, that's just how I always... You know, DCU wasn't the thing at the time, but I just knew that this whole experiment wasn't going to work. Right. Um, but they convinced me. I liked the, the look of it, the feel, and it, 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 there was just something about it that was an amazing story. I don't know, amazing, but really good story. <laughs> yeah, it was a very sound story, and, and I think they – that's my number six, actually, and – and I think that they did. They, you know, I'm glad they went back to World War II, and, yes. oh, and the whole movie was World War II. It was a period piece, and um, you know, they, like you said, they had all those little, little Easter egg nuances, things, and and um, and they really nailed it. And I totally agree with you about Joe Johnson. That was that was a very smart choice. Yeah, and I, 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 go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. When when they when they were going to when they announced Captain America, and I thought. All I want is for them to find him frozen, go back to World War II, and then end with him waking up in some fashion. And they could not have hit it more perfectly. Oh, yeah. Yep. Funny and thing I, is, like the original, the, 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 the scene where he woke up at the end was an after film thing. Yeah. That was not yeah. the original oh, ending I know of the that. movie. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, uh, I, I, God, I forget, I forget what the original film version was. But yes, you're right. It was very different. Yeah, they back. They went back and reshot that scene right before the movie w- released into theaters. That Times Square scene. So. Well, it worked. And and by the way, what I what I loved about that, that's one of my favorite of all of the sort of the Marvel origin films because it so perfectly captures the character. And like you said, mm-hmm. Chris Evans for me is really one of the great stars of all these actors because in many ways he had the most difficult role because yeah, you Captain America can become unless it's done just right. Yeah. And they show they show growth in the character, which I'll talk about more with some of my other selections. Yeah, he, he comes off as as silly and it's hard to take seriously. He so clearly understands the nuances of Steve Rogers, and he just nailed it. For me, I love the movie. The moment they had him being beaten up by the bullies in the alley, mm. and he picks up the the lid of the metal garbage can. And hold it up as a shield. I remember thinking, oh, okay, they have it. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is going to be great. And also we should point out, how great is Sebastian Stan as Bucky? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I mean, perfectly cast. And they, they so got that character's right. in, in the, Not only scenes. not only them, but Stanley Tucci, man. Oh, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I as Erskine, man, I thought he was phenomenal. And I, I loved his scenes with Steve, you yeah. know. It really made it more personable. And, you know, it was like a better... It was like they elaborated on, you know, that relationship, which wasn't, you know, very, you know, wasn't elaborated on much in the comics. But, you know, they gave it heart. 
You know, yeah, they sure that's did. a great I, point because they show Erskine as as a German who had defected from the Nazis. Right, right. And that scene where they're sitting on the the beds in the barracks. Yeah, I love that scene. Steve is just like, well, I I hate bullies. And and of yeah. course, Haley Atwell's Peggy. I mean, her, oh, that, yeah. that that became one of my favorite performances in the entire MCU period from from her continuing yeah. to to show up. She really she really gave personality to the character and and uh, and built upon her uh, appearances each time she showed up. Man, I miss Agent Carter. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, I I think there's a line in that movie that I think about a lot where it's uh, where he says um, people forget that that uh, the Nazis invaded Germany first. And when, when you think about it, you're like, yeah, the kind of, you know, their country, then it, it, they, they spread out from there. That, that was my one regret. Regret is, I guess, maybe it would have been too too much of a third rail if they would have used more of of the Nazis. And it just I mean, at this point, for is there anyone really who doesn't see them as, as villains um, type of thing? No, so but I, the fact I think they did they, a Hydra. Subject. Yeah, I think they did the smart thing, though. I mean, they connected it with it, but didn't dwell on it, you know, and that was and, a safe. It was kind of a safe way to tread. Yeah. But but it worked. You know, well, because they wanted they wanted to show that Hydra, as strange as it may sound, was even worse than the Nazis. Yeah, and like they've been, the Nazis had spawned like this even more horrible, malignant uh, cancer, so to speak, uh, in the manifestation of the Red Skull. So yeah, yeah, like, they wouldn't. Have, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say if they wouldn't have, if they wouldn't have linked, you know, the Red Skull and Hydra as that science division of the Nazis, and just like tried to eliminate any connection to Nazis and just made it that, I think it would have been, uh, you know, very flat. Yeah, but, yes, absolutely. But they, they did, they were very smart and they did it very well. Um, Before I pass the baton, I just have one more quick question because I've gotten into discussions with this on people on DC websites or, or, or forums. <laughs> Is Wonder Woman not just basically the first Avenger? The movie, Wonder Woman. Oh, the yeah. Movie. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it absolutely is. Because if you give a brief synopsis of both movies using very generalizations, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can't tell which movie you're talking about. But yeah. I have some yeah. people that are convinced that it's a completely different movie. It's has nothing it's not really a comparable to First Avenger. It has no, it has no, a I lot of the I same beats. Right away. Yeah, it has yeah. a lot of the same beats to it. And uh yeah, yeah, I mean they definitely build upon what work there to make it work with Wonder Woman. Yeah. 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 Foundationally they're very similar. Yeah. Plus, plus, I'll also mention we came very close to officially having the first appearance of Captain America be in the ice in the original end scene for the Incredible Hulk movie. That's uh, right. Um, which was which was a, oh, a, a, a cut scene, yeah. which you can find on the Blu-ray. So, oh. yep. I think he tries to commit suicide, and it starts an avalanche after he hulks out. Yep. And you see the ice rolling. Yep. And, and you see a yeah. quick glimpse of of Cap. Yeah, oh, get out. Yeah, there's like a silhouetted figure in the ice when it when it's avalanching. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Glad they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank God. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. All right, Shane. All right, Guardians. Well, when this came out, I had almost zero interest to see it. Um, not because I thought it would be bad. I mean, it was fairly early on in in Marvel stuff. I want to say it was one of the first eight or so. Um, I, and part of that's because I knew I knew nothing about any of the characters. Really, I mean, I knew who they were, but I really never read much of anything about the Guardians of the Galaxy. And for me, I took the boys to see it. It was summer vacation for them, and it blew me away. Not so much the story because it was the downtrodden kind of 
criminals becoming heroes, which, okay, that's fine. It was more how visually spectacular it was and the music behind it. Oh, the music really, is so key. Really oh. pulled me in. Um, I, I think those characters have a lot of room to grow, and I think they should do something else with them as time goes on. But that first, the that movie was after watching everything that came that led up to that. That was almost to me like a a palate cleansing comedy that made me laugh and forget of all this kind of not forget, but but put on the back burner all the serious stuff that was going on in the MCU to get to this part be out in space, which I love sci-fi space stuff. And um, I, I, again, the, the way that all the effects were done when they're flying in the Milano, when they're on, um, oh my God, Novacor's home planet. God, Zandar. Oh, Zandar. 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 Yeah. And, and they're fighting against Ronan's airships that are coming down. Just, it, it just looked as real as you could possibly get more so than, than some other things. I think that, that were up to that point. It just blew me away with how visually spectacular that movie was and to have all the music from the seventies in the background and, and almost being such an integral part of the story for, for the songs that they played at the right times that meant something for what was going on in the action. I, I just thought it was very well crafted and I was just blown away that something that was coming out from Marvel could surprise me after seeing everything else that we'd seen that it just, it just took me by surprise. I I really did not think I'd like that movie at all. Yeah. You got to give major props to James Gunn for following his vision and, and, uh, and setting all that up. I mean, yeah. Kudos to him. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, one of the reasons why I had it, I had it on my list, uh, Shane, is the fact that it's just it was so different than everything we'd had so far, and it was our first real, you know, spacefaring adventure in in yep. the in the MCU. So that that's what works so so well for it for me, and the the humor that he injected into it, and the personality of each character, and the fact that he made a talking raccoon seem not ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really thought I'd have a prob- more of a problem with that, that it just wouldn't work. The, the same with Groot. I thought, well, what, you know, how interesting can that be? It, it was fantastic. Yeah, I that's really also was a surprised. tribute to uh, the performances of Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel in those uh, those voice roles. Yeah, I God, um, I forget how many I am Groots he recorded in different tones yeah. just so they could play around with it. <laughs> Would you say the biggest stars in that movie at the time were Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel? And you basically just hear their voice? Yeah. 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 I would say so. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, and since then, I mean, you know, Zoe Zaldana has become a, a bigger star and obviously, you know, uh, Chris Pratt has, Chris Pratt. you know, become everything essentially. But, uh, but yeah, they were definitely the, uh, the biggest uh, stars in there. I was, I was, let's not, go ahead, Shane. I'm sorry. I, I was actually surprised Bradley Cooper did it, given all the other things he was involved with at the time. Not that I thought he'd snob, you know, turn his nose up at it or anything. I, I'm, I'm continuously surprised by the actors they get to portray these characters. Well, and I think that lends to the credibility of it all. You know, is that I think that's why the you, they get the big name actors and they get the people that are intrigued by it because number one, what they've established with this whole universe and and two, you know, they're so true to the characters and they and they write compelling stories and, you know, whatever they do that, that they want to be a part of it. You know, yeah. So. Yeah. And, and anything they change, 
still makes it interesting for us who may know more about the characters in general, but it still works. It's not like it's it's out of place or, or against the grain completely. It just fits into this universe they've created. Yeah. And Shane, you made a great point in that when Guardians came out and when, when I experienced it and I loved it, A, I have to mention how great Dave DeBatiste is, by the way, as Drax yeah. um, and how they interpret that character. But also you realize after this movie, like, okay – they can do pretty much anything now because they oh, yeah. took a property that the average person knows nothing about whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And and he, he you know he took the characters and and he, he took that aspect of the Marvel universe and he made it work in such a way that I mean it was a huge success and we can't understate the importance of the 70s music in that film. Absolutely. Yeah. That and, was and, so key. Yeah. Um and also let's last thing I'll say is that I was actually surprised they showed Thanos in that film um, as they did. But even though it was a small scene, but they, they still took the, the moment to just kind of let the audience know. Because the average person doesn't even know who Thanos is yeah. outside of you know right. geeks like ourselves. And those little things, they just reminded us like, okay, this, this character is the big bad. And we're just showing a little glimpse of him right now. But the way they had the other characters react to him, like, okay, this person's going to cause real problems down the road for our heroes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that it's a nice little, little moment just to remind you, like, the, the larger stakes that are starting to take shape, basically, in this universe. And that was the first time Josh Brolin played him, correct? I believe so, yes. yes. Yeah. Which is, which is also why his face looks so different than it did in Avengers. But, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's beside the point. Um, go ahead. I was just gonna say I actually had no interest in seeing this movie, but a uh, a I'm trying to word this nicely. Uh, an ex girlfriend of somebody on the show who worked with my wife at the time told her how good of a movie it was. So since she went to see it, I was like, all right, we'll go. Um, and I actually prefer the second one more because I I'm, I like Kurt Russell, mm -hmm. but uh, I seem to be in the minority of people who wouldn't even put this movie in their top ten in the MCU. Hmm. Um, there's some things I thought were okay, but with phase two, some of the other, I liked some of the other tones that were going on at the time. I just thought this was going in a different direction that I didn't care for as much as the other ones that were coming out in phase two. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So, so my so my number five was also Guardians of the Galaxy. So instead, I'm going to talk about Black Panther, um, uh, because because that was that was my uh, my number six, and I'm going to just go ahead and make that my number five since we just talked about it. Uh, Black Panther was a revelation for me. Um, they, they had they had to do the story right, and my God, did they do it right and more so? Uh, they they built Wakanda into into a realistic uh, feeling civilization, um, almost like uh, the way that if they had ever done the Savage Land in in the X Men uh, movies, I sure. feel I feel like it would have been a very similar uh, you know aspect to that, like a, basically a place that no one knows about that's right in front of your nose that's been there the entire time that has uh, that has grown and, and evolved into its own you know living existence essentially, and that's what Wakanda is, and uh, they built the character of T'Challa you know way more so than we got in in, uh, in his introduction in Civil War as should have been the case and uh, just in general what Michael B. Jordan brought to the table as a villain yeah um, just 
it leaps and bounds above what I was expecting out of Killmonger and just really like he was a believable character. He had he had a personality and a depth to his existence that 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 brought him both as a villain and as a sympathetic character that I really wanted to see and they drove that home perfectly. Uh, while the special effects could have been better at times for the most part, uh, outside of the fight scenes, I think they did a really good job of building building the world and the and the universe there. And every single actor that they threw at us was a joy. You know, the the, the fact the fact that we had so many so many famous black actors in this movie um, just you know blew my mind how many they were able to get. You know, I mean, you know, I mean again, you know, Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, you know, Letitia Wright. Um, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, yes. Uh, Daniel Angela Kaluuya, Bassett. Angela Bassett, yeah. Winston Duke. You know, everybody yeah. is is fantastic. Sterling K. Brown, you know? I mean, Sterling, Sterling K. Brown is a is a rising star in so many ways and has been for years, and he still is. And uh, Andy Serkis' Claw was great uh, as well. And then throwing in uh, Everett K. Ross as, uh, you know, the, the token token um, just uh, absolutely worked for me. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, overall, it uh, it was a fantastic movie, and uh, it, it deserves to be on my list somewhere, so might as well be here. Yeah, yeah, it was a great movie. I'll yep. talk more about Black Panther later. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, here we are with our number four, and uh, Matt, go ahead and start us off. Number four for me is Infinity War. Okay. Uh, my number four is Captain America Winter Soldier. Uh, Shane. Mine is Civil War. Okay. Kevin. Um, my number four is Avengers Age of Ultron. And Chris. My number four is the first Iron Man film. Nice. All right, Matt, go ahead. Well, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of something fresh I could say about Infinity War. I just liked, uh, <laughs> it, it, I mean, uh, it's the big one before the big one. Uh, I like to see how, when you watch Phase 1, the the primary characters, to see where they are now. Uh, in this one, it was just uh, interesting over the, the time frame. It, I, I, going back to Doctor Strange, I thought Doctor Strange was pretty good. And then when I saw him in this movie, I was like, oh my god, I can't wait to see a sequel. They're, they got to do a sequel now. I, I, I think... Some of the solo characters, such as Spider-Man, I, I cared for less in their solo movies than I did in in this group one. And I think that's, a, um, you, you know, I give credit to the Russos as well as the, the writers. I found it more interesting. I really liked how they broke up the uh, who's interacting, interacting with who, like Thor and the, the Guardians, I thought was, was an interesting interaction. And um everyone that wound up on Titan and then, uh, everyone else in Wakanda. So I, uh, and then you have kind of Bruce Banner coming back and, um, so he's kind of getting to know people for the first time that he missed during civil war. So it, in a way he was kind of our into seeing how these guys are going to interact for the first time, or I guess that's for the first time, because at this point, some of the characters had already interacted with each other. So they knew who, who they were like, uh, Rhodey knew, who T'Challa was, but 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 Banner didn't. So even though those guys had, I'm assuming some type of a connection, uh, relationship, you, you know, now we're bringing being brought in just like Bruce is. Well, w- you know, what's kind of the, the status and stuff like that. So um, that that's gonna make my number four. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it it, it really is a uh, an excellent movie. And I mean, again, with that last scene, just whew, it t- takes takes your breath away. It really, it really one does. Of, for me, one of the greatest accomplishments of that film is Josh Brolin's performance as Thanos. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Thanos, as we all know, is a very complicated character in this comic history, and obviously they couldn't. You know, they, they kind of changed his motivation. I understand why they did because, you know, in the comic he was worshipping death and trying to prove his love. And I like the modification that they did. But I think Brolin really captured both the grandeur and just like the terrifying grandeur of Thanos and really how almost virtually unbeatable the character is. And, and also sort of that sinister demigod aspect of, of the character as well. Masterfully done. Yeah. I'm actually... Uh... I thought it was interesting how well of a performance he did. There's people who actually are, you know, audience members who are like, you know, he has a point with what he was planning to do. So the fact that he was kind of just like with Killmonger, you had people that were, you know, he's not completely wrong. Uh, this is another villain that, that Marvel was able to put out there that had enough weight to him that you even had, even though directly they're the villain, um, you have people that are like, you know, I can't say he's doing the wrong thing or his mindset is necessarily wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's talking about he's talking about the perils of overpopulation. Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, there is some basis of reality of that, and I, you know, I think that they, I think by changing the direction, you know, from the comic into that direction, I mean, you it it, it changed the whole dynamic of the character, really, because you know you could you could empathize with his perspective, but then also you know it made you morally you know question you know the the whole motive and, and obviously you know the execution of it all but yeah yeah and, and i thought that made him a very sympathetic you know character you know so that way you could at least understand his motivation and somewhat you know buy into it to some level but then you know you didn't you didn't obviously want to happen what happened either so it's an interesting interesting dynamic yeah uh, so I went with uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier with my number four, which just Ugh. which just proves that this list is so fluid that depending on my on the day of the week, it could be something you know higher or lower. But uh, I'm putting it at four for now. Uh, Winter. Uh, what grabs me about this is that it takes the best aspects of Ed Brubaker's amazing comic book run uh, and just merges it with the sensibilities and style that had been established in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, while at the same time also crafting something that's almost like a, a spy thriller. You oh, know? absolutely. Like th- yeah. this, is, this is like Bond-esque action at times, um, where, where you're left with uh, you know, mystery and intrigue and, uh, and, and action, and this was easily my favorite Black Widow uh, oh, performance. Oh, without question. Uh, yeah, uh, without uh, a doubt. Oh, yeah. I mean, she, she does an amazing job in this Scarlett Johansson, um, and uh, plus the, uh, you know, the, the big Bucky reveal and everything in this is, uh, is, is well done. Nick Fury is remarkably excellent in this and and when you see the reveal of of the eye and uh, and and he uses that uh, to you know to, to get into the computer system and everything oh what lights out fantastic um <laughs> i i just i i completely i i love everything about this film in many many different ways and uh it it, it would be three or two probably next week 
but uh, but today it, it's number four. Um, and and the first Russo's film uh, on on my list, and the first Russo film that they did in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm glad they stuck around. Well, and and it's it's actually my number three, um, and I like it for also what it gives you for the Hydra, for the continuation of that villain rearing its ugly head yet again. Yep. In such a subtle clever way that i never never thought in my wildest dreams would have happened that way oh absolutely and and it, it was it was earth shattering i mean to to have to have hail hydra spoken that way and to as well um you know to see that essentially the entire foundation of shield is yeah. a foundation of lies um yep. was just a brilliant brilliant step that i never expected them to do in the cinematic universe and it uh you know the ramifications could have been felt a little bit more in future movies uh but at the same time you know gave us one of my favorite moments in endgame um and uh my god that elevator scene is, oh yeah oh yeah best damn fight in the entire cinematic universe period right there well i i did like that it's it kind of gave you an idea how blurry the lines are between what hydra wanted and what shield essentially wanted yep um and it was you know this isn't this isn't freedom it, it's uh it's fear i think is the line yeah yeah uh, I, I liked how in the marketing i think at one of the uh the cons might have been uh san diego where somebody just asked about the winter soldier and they they were basically we're not hiding who the winter soldier is that's that's not the you know that's not the i guess the big thing in this whole movie is who's really the winter soldier when Either you knew or there was enough there in the previews for you to understand who it was going to be um, if, if you didn't read the comics. So I, I like the fact that that wasn't really the, the focal point of the movie. Yeah. And, and it, uh, Ragnarok is further down on my list, a lot further down. But how that movie intertwined um, a, a Thor story and then you also had Planet Hulk. Looking back, Winter Soldier did the same where it's a Captain America story. But it also has Nick Fury versus Shield in there as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this might be the closest we get to having an actual Nick Fury movie. Um, so I like the way that that was presented to us as well. And the Secret Warriors series as well is is very yeah. much yeah. implemented into there, and that's that's one of my favorite uh, Marvel series. Period. Uh, that that Hickman wrote uh, years ago. So yeah, it was nice was to see aspect series. of that. Yep. Well, I'm still sticking to the fact that now, especially with these alternate timelines possible and all that stuff that I'm still sticking with the David Hasselhoff Hasselhoff <laughs> that's still possible so I'm still holding out well, one of these days we'll see we'll see uh hey maybe even in uh in uh, the upcoming Spider-Man movie maybe if maybe if yeah. that is the chameleon or something he'll be wigging out and, and suddenly yeah, we'll see awesome. we'll see Hasselhoff <laughs> show up awesome. that's the price of admission right there yeah <laughs> All right, Shane. I will talk at length about Winter Soldier later. Yeah, Excellent. I will as well. Excellent. Yeah. Hint, Excellent. hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so Civil War, I mean, I know it's titled Captain America Civil War, but it really, to me, is Avengers 2.5. Yeah. With the way they brought everybody together, introducing Black Panther and, and even bringing in Spider-Man, which, again, with Sony owning the rights for so long, never thought would happen. Um, it, it was... It was one of those moments, just like in the original Avengers movie, where they all come together that first time in New York City and they're going around in the circle camera angle and you see everybody like getting ready to attack. It, it was just phenomenal to see 
all of these heroes on screen all at the same time while following what Tony wanted to do and thought he was doing right as he always does. And still somehow it gets screwed up a little bit and cap taking the opposite point, which again, we who read the stories knew that would happen, but it was still really something to see it happen on the big screen, right as, as big as life, something that as the movies progressed, I still never thought they would do quite as well as what I was hoping. And it still blew me away. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. It's uh, the movie manages to be, you know, Captain America three, while at the same time being Iron Man three point five, Avengers yeah. Avengers two point five, uh, Spider Man one half, Black Panther one half. You know, it's it, it just it just it manages to juggle so many different balls, and it it all works. It it all surprisingly works. I had no idea that 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 would actually be able to be the case, nor that we would get so much and have it still at its core feel like a Captain America movie. And I want to mention one of the great, some of the great unsung heroes of all this are the screenwriters Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Yes, who wrote all the Captain America movies and wrote Infinity War and Endgame. And those two men are a major reason why we enjoy these movies as much as we do. And they just did a fantastic interview on Kevin Smith's Smodcast podcast. It's like a two-hour episode where they talk about their entire experience. I highly recommend it writing all these movies. It's fantastic. I'll give it a listen. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Well, I went with Avengers Age of Ultron. um, And the reason being is for a couple of reasons. Um, One of the things that I enjoyed about this film uh, compared to the other Avengers movies, and I I can't say that. I should say more in in regard to the first Avenger movie. Um, By this time, you know, all the other characters have had their solo first movies, you know, and and some plural. Um, So when you get into this movie with the characters... Like, I felt the actors really found their niche with their characters, and and they're very sound with their interpretations of these characters, and it, ver- it felt more fluent to me and more congruent. You know, they were uh, solidified as characters, and it felt very natural um, with their portrayals, and, um, and I loved the choice to make James Spader the voice of Ultron. That was Ugh. phenomenal. Um and then, you know, the, 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 one of the things that was I was so charged about and what made it such a, a, a joy was that they, they brought in the vision yet besides. And, yeah. You know, because obviously you had the inclusion of Scarlet Witch and, and, uh, and Quicksilver. So you're starting to see kind of like what they did in the comics. You had the first Avengers, and they were in for so many issues, and then all of a sudden the team changed, you know? And you had yeah. Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, you know, and, and Hawkeye, and, you know, and I'm like, wow, they're really kind of doing this, you know, and I just, it was just, it's such an enjoyable ride, and, and the interaction between the characters, I thought the story was really good, and, and yeah, I mean, I was jazzed about the vision, that was one of my favorite things about the whole movie, so, so that's why I picked it above the first Avengers, and, and Avengers, first Avengers was great, and, and I loved Infinity War as well, but, you know, when I sat here, trying to weigh them all out and that, that's why i said i started to nitpick you know and and to me i went back and watched them all 
And I was like, you know what? I really enjoy watching this film. And, and for those reasons alone. So I, that, that was my reason behind choosing it. Yeah, Kevin, uh, I, can, I can't. Oh, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just uh, I, I totally concur. Paul Bettany just nailed the vision. I, oh, I mean, my God, yeah. And, and the look of the vision. Like, they actually had him essentially in a costume. Like, it wasn't like a totally a CGI-generated character. Yeah, right. And that added so much to the depth and, and the, the yearning for humanity in the character. And for me, that was also the most exciting part of that film was seeing the vision actually brought to life in a way that worked yeah. In a live action film, it was thrilling. And, and absolutely, and so many things I, were introduced in this movie that wound up being important later on, like uh, like you know Hawkeye's family for one. Yep, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously Vision, and uh, also the idea of other Avengers being able to lift the hammer is first introduced <gasps> here because uh, that amazing moment with Vision being able to being able to hold the hammer was 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 yeah. terrific, and, yeah, and uh, that party scene was pure Joss. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, I, and and uh, and and uh, sorry, and I just wanted to say one more thing, and that's uh, uh, yeah, James Spader is fantastic, and he brought a le- a bit of levity to the character of Ultron that I wasn't expecting to find. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say two things. One, I know that Ultron this version got a lot of uh, criticism because it's not you know what they read, but if you look at the MCU version of who he's based off of, it made right. more sense right. with with how it was as opposed to the comics. The other thing is, um, so I guess supposedly now they're potentially rewriting history. Are you, is anyone else convinced that Cap could have lift uh, Thor's hammer in this, but he kind of chose not to at that moment? Or that at that point he wasn't worthy, it wasn't until later that he became worthy? Huh. I, uh, I, you know, that's a, that's a, you know, it's it's a good question, but yet it's so hard to answer because... I don't I don't see any reason why he would not be any less worthy in this film than than when he did wield Mjolnir. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but but, you know, I, I, I you know, and I, you know, going back and watching it again, I even said to Matt, you know, the one time I was talking to him and I was like, you know what? I watched this movie like two or three times. And for some reason, well, I know why, because when when Steve goes to try to pick the hammer up, and then they cut to the scene where you just see the hammer and Thor in the background, yeah. my focus went to Thor because I wanted to see his reaction. I wanted to see what would happen, you know, if you know if Steve actually lifted it. And I was like, I was watching him, and it wasn't until like the third time I watched a movie, and I was like, oh shit, it did move, it moved. Oh, kid, you, know? you didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I totally <laughs> missed it because, like I said, I was focused on Thor's reaction. I wanted to see what his reaction would be because. And in essence, I was sort of anticipating it. Um, but yeah, I didn't really actually see it move until like the third time I saw the flick. And then. See, I, th- I think I did the opposite. I was so focused on, I know he can wield it. Is he going to? And I saw it nudge, but then kind of missed Thor's first panicked look. Yeah. And then saw his laughter afterward. And then later saw that he was really panicked at first. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know. A question to answer your question is why wouldn't he lift it? You know well, what? What would he gain by not lifting it? You I, know? I I I think he wasn't quite worthy yet, and I like the theory going around uh, the internet as to why, and it's the fact that he was holding that secret as to who actually killed Tony's parents at mm. that at that point. You see, now I'm. I heard the theory that it was because uh, whatever it takes that he was willing to 
he, he was going to go up to Thanos knowing that he didn't stand a chance. Mm. Um, and that's what made him worthy. But, and, I, and I contend, Civil War pops up later on my list, so I contend that one thing about the secret. I, I'm under the impression after re-watching some of that scene again, if you look <laughs> at how he lifts, you know, kind of like puts up his hands like, oh, no, I can't lift it. Almost like he, uh, it, to me, it's like if you do something kind of dumb, you might just go, oh, well, hey, you know, it's, it's on me. The expression on his face afterward almost made me think he didn't. He knew he could do it, but and one of the theories that I read was he didn't want to upstage his, his uh, Thor basically by showing that he could li- that he too was worthy. So yeah. and and that he he he's um, he I guess he has pride enough to know that I don't need to upstage my my teammates right by showing who I am. So I, which I'm obviously who the, I am. yeah that adds to the level of the character. You know that he'd be like yeah. you know I don't I don't need to have that you know ego trip. You know what I mean. It, yeah, he's, he's sound within himself. He's like, you know, I'll just let it go. You know, it, it reminded me of there was an issue uh, uh, of G.I. Joe where it was a, kind of a, a flashback for Scarlet where she was kind of getting um, harassed by not harassed, but teased a lot by the original G.I. Joe members because she was the only girl. And even though she she was grew up a martial arts, she could kick everybody's asses. But the, the, the best, the most trained was Snake Eyes. And he basically let her beat him to show how more superior she was. And she knew that he could have easily taken her, but he, he didn't have uh, he wasn't worried about his own pride. He was trying to show a, prove a point to the other members that, Hey, Scarlet deserves to be here. So that's yeah. kind of how I yeah. interpret this moment that Steve didn't need to prove to anybody who he is. It was more about letting Thor know that, Hey, you know, you're still important. We still need you type of thing. Yeah. That's a good analogy, but, Matt. That is a good analogy. Yeah. I like I like I guess I guess hearing those theorems behind you know being his his quote unquote being worthy um I kind of like the idea of of the end game version whereas you know like you said he was willing to sacrifice it all you know he was doing he was willing to do whatever it takes he's yep. willing to go whatever he needed to do and, yeah. and yeah. that sort of kind of yeah. fits I don't know for me anyway yeah. I I kind of like that Absolutely the only other thing I'll say about Ultron is it, that movie was never one of my favorites, and and I don't necessarily know why. I mean, I love lot lots of parts about it, but I, I never rewatched it like I did some of the other ones. However, after seeing Endgame, I started with Iron Man, and I'm watching them all in order again, just whenever I have time. Wow! And I'm up to um, I just watched Age of Ultron last night. And I have to say, I like it a little bit more than I used to, and I can't really say why, other than the the interaction between the characters and certain things that come to fruition later. I like this version where they're all one team, all fighting together yet, before the splintering starts happening. Even though they all come back together, and, and we kind of all knew that would happen, it, right here, none of that's happened yet. They're all one team fighting for one reason. Mm-hmm to get a hold of the stones to protect this to get Loki's staff back they're all kind of melded together yet until they create ultron and then vision and all that but but it starts out with them really being a solidified team um joking around bantering back and forth language Uh, (laughs) they just do a great job of it that i i really appreciated it more watching it last night and, and and I'll also add, uh, since he hasn't been brought up yet, uh, Quicksilver leaving us as fast as he came. Yeah. Oh yeah, 
But you didn't see that coming. <laughs> but that's Joss Whedon. He, he always kills off characters in unexpected ways. I know. I know. That's a, it's a staple. It's a shtick. I, what was that? Was that because of X Men going to be using him, or they, that would have been interesting to have both? No, I I think it was, I think it was just because it served the story. I don't think yeah. it was because X Men was going to use Quicksilver. Yeah, because otherwise they wouldn't have used him if it would have been some sort of contention. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 There, there was, was there, that. There, it was that kind of loophole that they were able to use him. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Joint rights. That's that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chris. Okay. Uh, I'll make this one short and sweet because when I went to see Iron Man for the first time in 2008, obviously I, I was really excited. Okay, Marvel's doing an Iron Man film. Whoever would have thought they were going to do that? Um, I, 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 you know, always enjoyed Robert Downey Jr. as an actor. So I went in. I didn't. I didn't really have expectations. I didn't know what to expect. I just was excited for it. And I remember I sit, sit in the theater and. You know, they open the film, and he's in Afghanistan, and, and, and he starts to talk, and I go, holy shit, he's Tony Stark. Yep. And I remember thinking, like, okay, this is not what I was expecting. Like, this is a Marvel comic come to life. Like, from that moment when, when he's talking, like, he brings out, like, the champagne bottles out of the weapon they just tested, and he's – Bantering with the soldiers in the Humvee before the attack, and um, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow was just pitch perfect as Pepper Potts, and Jeff Bridges, one of my all-time favorites, as Stain. And I, I was just, I was floored with how they clearly, like, unlike how many comic book adaptations we set up to that point that never really got to the essence of the characters they were adapting. Most of them, right? Needless changes to the stories, costumes look ridiculous. Uh, we go down the list. We've all been there. And this film, by the end of it, I mean, I, I was I, I was speechless. Like, I, I, they totally pulled this off. And this is one of the best, at, up to that point, comic adaptations I've ever seen. And, again, I have to emphasize how Robert Downey Jr., I mean, we all know that if we read about his life, in many ways he was born to play this role. Yeah. And... But, you know, we can say that, but it still doesn't does, – I don't want to diminish the fact that no. he so nails this character and so much of the rest of these movies, and I'll talk about this more a little bit later, is the arc of Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and how they both develop as heroes in different ways through these movies. And it all starts with this film, and it's it's not my all-time favorites. why it's, I, I didn't put it as my number one or two, but – they it just they started to run the right foot and it never stopped. So, yeah. yep, I agree, and I'll elaborate on it because that's on my list yet. As it's is a, mine. It's on mine too. <laughs> it, it, it is, but not my top five. The uh, I'll never forget going in. Uh, we met Meg and I met up with uh, Kevin and his uh, girlfriend at the time, and uh, she had said this is going to relaunch Robert Downey Jr.'s career. Oh yeah, and. And Kev said, you're going to like the first thing you hear in the movie. And uh, it, ACDC. So I was like, yeah. oh, man, back in black? I'm in. I'm in. Uh, I, I guess I didn't read a lot of Iron Man beforehand, so I didn't know if this is actually how he spoke. Um, and, and I think one of the, the downsides about the movie is I tried reading some newer Iron Man afterward, and it just seemed like the writers were trying to write Robert Downey Jr. in, in the comics. Mm. 
but it seems like Robert Downey Jr. doesn't really know what Robert Downey Jr. is going to say until he says it. So it, <laughs> yeah. it, it always, whenever, anytime I read an, an interpretation, um, an impression of him in the comics, it always felt flat because it's like it, it, you're trying too hard. Uh, I, I liked reading a lot of the behind the scenes stuff for the movie, how a lot of it was like improvised. And like, I guess Gwyneth Paltrow was getting a little irritated initially. Well, uh, actually, Jeff Bridges was extremely was it, irritated. That he had a look at it as like a $200 million uh, student film. I saw yeah. that because they were writing scripts on the day. But, uh, and the, the infamous, not infamous, but the famous uh, I Am Iron Man was improv yep. at that that moment so i thought you know stuff like that i think was really cool and uh yeah i i bought that he was actually in that suit so i the the effects i thought were outstanding and one thing i i realized there was some kind of i don't know if it was a monday conflict and as much as i love don Cheadle, i thought terrence howard was sensational as roadie in that yeah. first film yeah yeah and when I they're agree. on the when they're on the airplane together like with the dancers they so captured like the bomb between those two men, the friendship we know from the comic. And right. I was a little disappointed not to see him continue as in that role. Cause I, I thought he really nailed that character so effectively yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. in, in that, in that first film. Um, but yeah. It, and Jeff Bridges was so chilling. The scene where he, he takes the power from him and he says, no, oh, no, it's, yeah. it's going it's to be on the right side. And he walks <laughs> away and, he was great as a villain in that film. Yeah, yeah, the, the, he's a great actor. The biggest mistake, oh, one of my favorites. Biggest mistake Terrence Howard made. Chris was saying next time because nope. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole reason why he signed on. He wanted to be Rhodey. Yeah, War Machine. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, Shane. Remind us what your number three was. Winter Soldier. Okay, um, and uh, Kevin. Uh, Iron Man, first Iron Man. Okay, uh, Matt. Endgame. Okay, uh, my number three. I'm throwing a curveball even for myself. Thor Ragnarok. Oh. Ooh. And Chris. Mine is Civil War. Alrighty. Uh, Shane, you want to talk a little bit more about uh, about your number three? Well, I I really loved. Not only like like we all said before, uh, the way Natasha was portrayed in this, and how her character grew, the fact that they brought in Falcon the way they did, uh, um, which I thought was brilliant. Even in the very beginning, when he's running along on your left, on your left, um, it 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 was so spectacular to see them take Captain America and grow him from just being a soldier to now trying to make him a spy which he was sort of uncomfortable with and you see that really come through when he finds out natasha has a totally different mission in the beginning than what he did and really comes down on fury for it and then you get into the whole discussion about well this is this is fear not freedom this is really something i'm not comfortable with um i really think it 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 allowed his character to grow beyond just being the frozen world war ii hero that saved a lot of people he was now changing what was going to come next he's not comfortable with being the spy he's not comfortable with the way things are run we've got to expose everybody and and i have to be out in the open i'm not i'm not pleased with everything that's going on here i don't like this part of shield anymore um it just blew me away that how how they brought robert redford in who really was the big Uh, baddie oh yeah um and really had no clue of that the way it was in the beginning and t- until 
he orders everybody after Captain America and he comes into the like the wardroom where um, Sharon's questioning, well, if we're going to chase down Captain America, we got to know why. And he flat out says, well, because he lied. He betrayed us. And blah, blah. Okay, where, where did that come from? And, and all of a sudden you're on this roller coaster of, okay, he's the big baddie now. Something I just, I just never expected. Well, um, Shane, one thing that I think you've hit the nail on the head here is that and why, why? And I'll talk more about Winter Soldier a little bit. Is that they they remind readers and they and they introduce to new movie viewers that Steve Rogers is not a robotic soldier; simply follows orders. No, at his core, you see, Steve Rogers is, is is the essence of what an American soldier is. What does an American soldier swear an oath to? To defend the Constitution, not to defend a president mm-hmm. or a government. Yep, and they remind us that he's a critical thinker. And it's part of his role because who is he supposed to be defending the ideals of this country, not a political party line. Right. And the movie really reminds us or introduces again to new viewers what what the essence of Steve Rogers really is. And they did a magnificent job of capturing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and, and in fact, uh, I mean, to the point where, you know, a lot of the things that happen with uh, with with Pierce. You know, reminds me of when you know the the, the very very famous uh, you know Secret Empire uh, arc with, uh, with with Captain America. Oh know, yes. You know when he find when he finds out that uh, that you know the president is actually you know evil. You yeah, know Richard Nick Richard Nixon Richard, is number R- one Richard in the Nixon. Secret Empire. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, you know th- this was reminiscent of that. It's like you know he has his crisis of conscience and his crisis of faith as to mm-hmm. you know which direction he's going to turn and. Uh, decides to you know stick exactly where he was, which is you know with with the American way, as it were, and 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 not to, not to also forget about things like Gary Shandling, Senator Stern, who was in <laughs> Iron Man Two, yeah, came here and you find out, oh, Hail Hydra, okay, yep, how you had Sitwell in there, who was just on a few episodes of Shield, yes, uh, before all this went down, and all of a sudden, whoop, he's gone because he was part of Hydra. He's an Avengers just, too. It, it just blew yeah he was it just blew me away everything they put together in this movie and and it really did not if it, it was totally a captain america movie but it felt like a spy thriller it did not feel to me overly super heroic yep to be flashy and and silly there it, it was as serious as it gets oh, and yeah. and the stakes were incredibly high for what was going to happen oh yeah yep i just just as a I guess a sidebar. I, I even though I like seeing Robert Redford in Endgame, I think he was wasted in that movie, and I would have preferred to have seen him in the Captain Marvel movie. Maybe like at the very end, coming into um, Fury's office, you know, <laughs> referencing that one mission. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe. that he went behind the the, the scenes, um, behind his back to do. I, oh, I think that would have been cooler. Talking about when you yeah. take people at the embassy, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I was always the impression under the impression that's how he lost his eye. Um, instead of a cat, but uh, it, it was. Uh, I, I think that would have been coo- a cooler uh, cameo as opposed to the one in Endgame. Yeah. Yeah. I think they could have gotten away without putting him in there, and it would have worked. Uh, would have worked all right. I, kept, totally I kept, agree with that. I totally also kept wanting that. to straighten his hair in Endgame because that that wig he was wearing was atrocious. <laughs> 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 all right, Kevin. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna elaborate on Iron Man and and uh, briefly do so. I mean, I I remember, you know, this was I you know I remember hearing of the deal that Marvel made with Paramount Pictures to produce their own films, and 
like Chris had said before, you know, look what we've had before this, you know, and, and I, uh, you know, I was excited. And when I remember, I think we were discussing it on an episode when they announced Robert Downey Jr. as cast as Tony Stark. And, and I remember Deemer going like, you know, that's the worst casting ever. And I'm like, you are so wrong. You know, I'm like, you are so wrong. I'm like, this is perfect. And like Chris said, I, I was like, his life is, he was born to play this role. Like, oh, he, yeah. he has so much to pull from to be able to emulate this character. And I remember watching that movie in a the theater and, you know, from having read a lot of Iron Man uh, prior, you know, Tony, Tony was, you know, boisterous and exuberant and all those things. But, but Robert Downey Jr. just took it to a whole nother level and, and he gave him so much more personality and depth and, um, and everything they did with this character. And again, taking a character, you know, that's what I, you know, and I don't, I don't want to get into the whole DC Marvel thing, but I mean, as far as Marvel goes with something like this, this is their first opportunity to produce their own movies. And they didn't do, you know, like, like a Superman or Batman, you know, they went to Iron Man, you know what I mean? A, a character that, again, most of the populace don't know about, you know? So, so they rolled their whole bank on, on basically kind of a B level character to, you know, to the public. It's basically could be like a C level character, but, but they just nailed it in every aspect. And I think, I think Favreau's decision to, uh, use Stan Winston and do more, uh, physical, uh, visual effects with the armor and stuff like that was a solid choice Absolutely. that made it more believable and more solid. Um, and everything was just on point, and and Downey just nailed, you know, the and role. And how great was the Kirby armor in the beginning, by the way? Yes. Oh my God! I mean, that's what sold me when I saw yeah. it. When the first time they showed any armor was that Mark One armor, and I was like, that looks so much better than than what we saw in Tales of Suspense, and it looks so cool. And I'm thinking, wow, if they're doing that with that, I'm in. You know, <laughs> I am in. They. They are on the right path, and obviously yep. they shown they were on the right path, yep. and 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 this is what got the ball rolling. So you know you you have to give credit where credits due, and and um, and you know with them allowing Downey to improvise, and you know they were just on the on the go every day. I mean, basically that's what I heard from behind the scenes. Like every day was just like you know. Um, what are we doing today? And and let's start doing it and see what happens. And I know that's why Jeff Bridges got so frustrated because he's such a professional actor and he's so used to knowing all his lines and being prepared. <laughs> and it was totally the opposite. So he was frustrated. But but I believe that that was that was the key to the success of this movie is that they let the personalities and let the actors play the roles. And that's what gave them the personality and depth that we all enjoy up to this day. So. It's uh, it's a solid film. It's a fun film. It's adventurous. You know, you get every aspect. You get action, danger, laughter, drama, romance. You know, the whole kit and caboodle. And and they drove it all the way home throughout the whole entire movie. So friends of mine like to throw this one around, Kevin. Uh, John Favreau made that movie in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, you know, Kevin, when you were saying about they decided to use Iron Man as their first. Uh, you know the MCU beginning. If you think about it, they who who'd have been the A list character 
that they Well, I mean, you start thinking about like your A-list Marvel characters, but then you but then you have to look and realize that you know, because of all the the miss misfires prior, all the rights were chewed up, you know. Yeah. Right. So so they didn't, you know, it it would played in their favor that the rights weren't available because, you know, you could have gone Captain America, you could have gone you know, something else. And you could have used, you know, characters that people were more familiar with. Um, and like I said, I just compared it to like DC with, you know, they like to focus on Superman and Batman all the time, you know, and it's like, there's other characters there, you know, and I'm glad they're starting to do that. And that's why I think it worked in their favor that they didn't have access to like the key mainstream, uh, characters that you would think they would go to first, the powerhouse characters that, you know, have been the staple of the Marvel universe. Because um, you know, I, I and, and so they had to they had to go with something else, and and they went with Iron Man. Because so. I've contend with some uh, DC hardos that when they say you know the the first so many movies that DC put out uh, in their extended universe did you know way more money than Phase One of Marvel, except for Avengers and. And I always point out, well, look who Marvel had to work with. They're probably their only A-list character would have been the Hulk, and that came off of the a decisive or um, divisive uh, Hulk movie that that Ang Lee well, put two, out. So, two of them, really, because you had both of them by the time this came out. No, no, the second. No, that's one right. Incredible Hulk came, came out, out afterwards. You're right. This, that same year, though. Yeah. So, and it's like you know, Batman, Superman, and then Wonder Woman. I expect if you put movies. You know, those characters in movies, they're going to do a lot of money because, you know, they're probably the three most popular comic book characters globally. And then in the other one, they heavily marketed the probably the most famous villain, the Joker, even though he wasn't in that movie that much from what I've been told. So I haven't seen it. But, uh, you know, so it it only makes sense that those movies would have made more than phase one with Captain America, Thor, um, another Hulk and uh, an Iron Man. So, yeah, it worked in their favor. Yep. Definitely did. Yep. All right. Matt, go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I'm just going to just go back to the other episode. And I don't, there's not too much more I want to add. And, you know, <laughs> just to kind of save time. Uh, Endgame was just, it was amazing how they were able to wrap. I like all, a lot of the callbacks. Um, basically, I'm going to establish this right now, this spoiler. My top five have a specific theme the writers. So hmm. expect that with the remaining two. Uh, Marcus and McFeely continue to to knock this one out of the park. Uh, of the Avenger movies, it's pro- it, it's probably going to be my favorite just because of like, even though there are certain characters I had issues with, such as Fat Thor, uh, <laughs> I, I liked I like what they do, and usually their interpretations of characters. Like for instance, in, well, I won't get down to that road yet, but uh, I I just liked how they were able to kind of bring everything of the last ten years together. And by going back to previous moments to do that. So if you want more, go back and listen to that episode where we reviewed the movie. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. Uh, I, I I went with Thor Ragnarok, and I didn't even know I was going to. Uh, <laughs> m- most Mostly because— I'm still wondering why you did. Well, Sorry, Kevin— no, 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 I know. I, please, come on. And if you want to know more about that, go ahead and listen to our Endgame episode. But— uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I really enjoy this movie. I I, I was never really sold on on the uh, on the character of Thor in the previous movies, even if I did enjoy the world that they had built. 
and and here I got a Thor I could relate to, uh, a Thor with personality, and a Thor that cracked me the hell up. We'd never really had, outside of Ant-Man, uh, I guess like a straight comedy. And even this, this isn't just straight comedy. There are some dramatic uh, moments to the movie as well that really draw me in. But uh, I love the Kirby flourishes that they threw in there uh, when, 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 we, when we get onto the, onto the planet. Uh, incorporating Planet Hulk in, into the way that they did with Sakaar. Um, I was surprised by how well it worked for me, uh, mostly because I, I, I was, you know, thinking to myself, we needed a, a serious, you know, uh, Planet Hulk movie, and instead we got something a little less serious, but it worked for me in, in, in that level. Introducing Valkyrie was a great move. Uh, Korg and, and Meek were, 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 were great characters, and, uh, and, and just overall, um, Enchantress, uh, sorry, not Enchantress, um, uh, Hela, um, that Enchantress hasn't happened yet. Uh, Hela was, was, uh, an interesting move to make her a sister of Thor and Loki. Um, but I think it works overall with the, with the world that they built in the, in the MCU and, and gave her a little bit more purpose and drive and dedication in this, uh, in this movie. And plus Loki too was just, uh, better fleshed out and we got a little bit more of a redemptive arc out of him than we've gotten in the, in the other movies. So yeah, I, I, I love it for its style and its personality and its humor. And I'll, I'll throw it in there. It's, it's just like guardians for me. It was something different. And that's why I love Thor Ragnarok as much as I do. I, I'll tell you, you know, I love Thor Ragnarok and I watch it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. My biggest problem with Ragnarok is it's not Ragnarok for me. Mm. It's not as, as doom god as heavy as what i think ragnarok should be right it's a great movie but after seeing it i thought my god this is so not thor ragnarok Mm -hmm. it's thor and hulk and and in a great movie right i just wish they wouldn't have called it ragnarok and i'd have been better with it but i I love it absolutely love it yeah totally agree with you you know i i um i read that the director to kind of pitch his idea was he brought in a lot of clips from Big Trouble in Little China, mm-hmm. and I, I love that movie. Um, I do too. And uh, it kind of uh, it's Steve Bryan. That's a nod to you, by the way. But uh, <laughs> I, I I always look at it as I, as much as I liked Big Trouble in Little China, I had some issues with Ragnarok, and I think that's because they they tweaked the more of the comedy aspects to like annoying. And uh, that was just too much versus the way it was presented in uh, Big Trouble Little China. Mm. Uh, there, there's some parts that, that I, I did enjoy, but some of the, the humor takes me out of it uh, that I just think it should have been pulled back a little bit more. But I understand that's Chris Hemsworth wants to go more right. comedic Thor. And, and it, to some extent, it seemed like a, a road to movie. Right. Uh, but with him and Banner. Yeah, which which is one of the things I, I love about it is that is sort of like the buddy aspect of it, like uh, in that way, almost uh, almost like a a lethal weapon in space, you know, sure. like uh, like having having the buddy comedy aspect of it uh, worked really well for me. So, yep. Yeah. All right, Chris. Uh, we've already talked about Civil War. Just a couple more comments I'll add is that the Captain America arc is my favorite aspect of all of these movies. And they continue it here, and they also continue the Tony Stark arc. As I mentioned earlier, I love how they, you know, because they establish that Stark and Tony and Steve, the two of the sort of the, the foundational icons of this whole universe and of the Avengers, yet they, and again, the actors have wonderful chemistry. 
and and they really establish how even though they're both heroic and noble, they're coming from very different perspectives, very different worldviews, very different origins, and that's inevitably they're going to clash. And it's they capture that so effectively in this film because you know you can understand both of where they're coming from. You know, it's not like one's a villain, the other's a hero when it comes to their perspectives. Uh, I mean, I always come down on the side of Steve usually, but. Um, they did a wonderful, and as Shane mentioned, there's a lot of moving parts in this film, and the, and again, it's a tribute to the writers and the Russos. It's so well handled how they bring all those parts into play. You've got everything from, for me, one of the most exciting action sequences of all these movies is when Scott becomes Giant Man mm. on the airport yeah. tarmac, and <laughs> yeah. as the two the two factions converge, you're like I, I just saw I just saw a splash page come to life. I mean, yeah. that battle yeah. scene is so thrilling. Uh, in that film, and um, yeah, just again the, the way, like the scene where Ross uh, Thunderbolt Ross comes into the meeting, and and Tony's there, kind of like, and he and Tony's looking at his face like he really he, he feels the conflict. He wants his teammates and friends to go along with this, and Steve, and the great scene where Steve where he gives Steve the pens that FDR used, and Steve said, you know, I don't want you to have an incomplete set, like give him his pen back, and <laughs> again. Epic stuff's going on, but they never forget character. And that's why Marvel's so great at its best. That's why these movies are so damn good. Um, so that, 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 it's, it's a great team-up film. Like you said, it, 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 it's, it's so many sequels in, in one, really, and it's so well handled. Um, the introduction of Spider-Man was thrilling. Just seeing Tony flirt with Aunt May, <laughs> knowing those actors dated in real life many years ago was fantastic. Um, like, you know, you're, you're, you're surprisingly attractive aunt. Um, and, and, um, and of course it's me. So the Black Panther, <laughs> when he's introduced and they show him in the costume for the first time when he's running on the road and he's jumping and his boots make no sound because of the vibranium and they show the door melage and, and the whole nine yards. I was like, my God, they, they so have all this. And, and when I left that movie, I was like, okay, I can't wait to see the black Panther film. Cause I can just tell they're going to nail this. And I'll talk yeah. about that more in a moment, but that's my I, number and three. I, I absolutely love with T'Challa and T'Chaka <laughs> talking in the, the meeting when they're signing yes. the accords that that whole father son moment, of course, sappy me gets me every time. Just a spectacular scene. And I also loved how they use Zemo in the film. Yes, the way yeah. they yes. Zemo. I thought that was a really effective way because they're not they're not going to have the comic book version of Zemo. But no, I liked how they like he, he's a traumatized survivor of. And again, the other great theme of the movie I, I forgot to mention are the consequences of superhero battles. Innocent yeah. people die. Or they get injured, or their property's destroyed. Even though, and when Tony is it, Alfred Woodard who's the mother. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And that great. She's a great actress. Black Mariah. Great, yeah, exactly. That great little scene where you know it comes home to him like, okay, the, the, her son died because of what we were trying to do good, but these were the consequences of that. And and I, I think that's a, a great aspect of the film that that shouldn't be overlooked. So that's my and, answer. And, th and then part spinning out of that is Tony's knee jerk reaction to fix it. Yes, which yeah. is which is classic Tony. Yeah, yeah. tries which, to fix everything. Two things. 
they've been consistent with in every film. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Two two things. Uh, Marissa Tomei went to my high school, so I need I need to point oh, that out. She, out. she she went to Edward R. Morrow High School here in Brooklyn, so uh, yeah. she's one of our most famous alumni. And uh, two, uh, I'm still really hoping Phase Four has a Thunderbolts film in it because Baron Zemo's still alive, uh, still alive. Yes. So they could yeah, do right. something yeah. with that character. Yep. Yep. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. All right, here we are with our number twos. Uh, Kevin, start us off. Uh, Civil War. Great. Uh, Chris? Black Panther. Yes. Uh, my number two, I'm pulling a Shane. Infinity War and Endgame. Ha! Uh, <laughs> see, I was going to do that, but I didn't. I stayed away. <laughs> pulling a Shane. <laughs> and speaking of Shane? Uh, mine's Iron Man. Okay. And Matt? I got Civil War. Nice. All right, Kevin, start us off. Go ahead. Um, well, what else can be said? Um, I do want to emphasize uh, exactly what Chris had said. You know, I uh, this the whole Captain America trilogy is the heart of this Marvel universe. Absolutely. Um, you know, all 22 films. Uh, Chris Evans just embodies the role and just goes great with everything that he does with it. And and actually, you know, the, the, the funny and, and the other point I want to drive home is Marcus and Mephili and the Russos. You know, yes. they are my top four Marvel characters, you know, uh, because I I've loved everything that they've done and they approach everything so sensibly and realistic. And and they do just like they did back in the early years of the comics. They focus on the characters yep. and and they drive it home and and so I give them you know I have nothing but admiration and respect for them all four of them because uh, um, they they have contributed so much to this MCU and uh, so positively and and honestly just something to add I mean Civil War was not um. I didn't enjoy it as much the first time I saw it. Not that I didn't like it, but I kind of, you know, I was kind of in that mode. I wanted a third. I wanted another Captain America movie, not a big superhero team up movie. And, um, but I still enjoyed it. You know, I liked the introduction of Tom Holland and Spider Man. Um, I obviously liked the Black Panther, and, and you know, everything they everything they did, they did well, extremely well, and. Um, but I just that's just wasn't what I was looking for when I went in to see it. But uh, the more I watched the movie, in fact, I watched it again on Sunday and and I thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, they just and, you know, I like the fact that it is all these other characters involved, but yet the still focus is on Steve and Bucky. And, and Kevin, how about the scene where near the end where Steve admits to Tony that he knew? Yeah, I mean, that's such a powerful moment. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you think he's he's been with that the whole time, yeah. and how many times did, you know, Tony dig at him about, you know, especially you see that scene where he brought in FDR's pens, and he's yep. kind of like, you know, you know, Tony finally, you know, says to him, he's like, you know, I haven't heard enough about you, you know what I mean? And you could tell that, you know, he was raised around, you know, his father's admiration for Steve, and, you know, and, and you know, he keeps going on him, like, you know, I could punch you in your perfect teeth and you know you yep. could tell there's tension there regardless of anything else going on but when you get that element to it yet besides i mean that's just 
it just is a completely different ball of wax there. Well, and well, this uh, is this is what I contend. I don't think he knew until after uh, Sam and and Cap get him back and have him you know locked in that one um, uh, vice grip. And he says, "I remember everything." Yeah. I've always been under the impression that's when he basically said. Because he, he he said, you know, I'm not the only Winter Soldier. So he would have had to kind yeah. of give the background of why isn't he the only Winter Soldier? Yep. Where is Zemo going to be going? So at, yeah. that's the point that I always came to that that's when he told Steve, I'm also responsible for killing. Well, Matt, uh, I Tony's think you're parents. right. I, I think what yeah. Steve always I think what Steve knew was that. Howard hadn't died in a common car accident. That Hydra was actually behind his. Yeah, right. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree well, that's with the thing. that. I, even that's how I understood it, and even after watching it again, I still view it that way. Well, that he he didn't know the the complete specifics behind it. Yeah, but he knew that Tony's parents died because of malicious of Hydra. Yeah. and for other reasons. Well, well, Absolutely, and even in in Winter Soldier, when uh, when and Zoloff. Zola is going through, you know, the the origin, uh, you know, the news clippings. I, at that point, I was like, okay, Winter Soldier killed his parents. So at that point, I was kind of so in Civil War when the revelation came out, I was like, okay, so Steve, Steve probably always figured Bucky had something to do with the death, but it wasn't until Bucky kind of gave an idea of, hey, this is where Zemo's going. I'm not the only Winter Soldier. This is how there's other Winter Soldiers here that he actually knew, you know, had confirmation. Bucky's the one who killed. Um, the, the Starks. Yeah. So, uh, the, and cause that's one of the criticisms I read is, well, why wouldn't Steve have said something sooner? He could have avoided a lot of the confrontation. Well, maybe he didn't know until, you know, as things were developing in the movie. Well, but um, he even addresses that in the movie. Yeah. You know, cause he specifically says to him, you know, I thought I was trying you to know? protect you. Yeah. But, and my favorite swerve in the movie is that the other Winter Soldiers don't even matter in the end. You know, yeah, that, that okay. were, that yeah. Were, that's a good point. Yeah, that were, I know because I was so I remember watching the movie the first time. I was like, wow, OK, they're really going to have to, you know, it's going to be Steve and Bucky against, you know, yep. and against yep. these other five Winter Soldiers. Yep. And then, you know, with Iron Man coming in reluctantly, he's going to have to, you know, take their side and fight with them. And then they're going to have to deal with their, you know, personal conflict as well. And yep. I'm like. It never even happened. <laughs> I was like, yep. you know. Well, well, if I can, I guess just piggyback, just because this is my number two as well. I liked, so I guess originally they weren't going to do the Civil War storyline. But supposedly that Feige saw that you're going to have Batman versus Superman. So he's like, okay, we could do that. And one of the videos that I watched on YouTube kind of comparing what went right with one as opposed to the other one was, and I completely agree, th this built, this was a, there was a buildup since the first Avengers. There was always kind of that friction. So it's not like they started the movie and this was something that they completely only introduced in Civil War. There was always kind of some type of tension between Tony and, and Cap, and you know it just got developed even further in this movie. Um, you know the whole thing. My dad, res I resented you because of, of my dad always talking to you. So I like the fact that it wasn't pulled out of nowhere. Uh, Chris had mentioned about the repercussions of the Avengers. I thought it was interesting. Uh, having cap in the middle. Uh, so since Endgame, they had said that if you watch the course of Tony and Steve, S Tony starts off as selfish and ends selfless at the end of mm -hmm. Endgame. Tony, uh, Steve starts off selfless and ends up selfish at the end. I always look at this movie as this is where the two points cross. Yeah. Because if you look at how, and this is another thing I saw is, Tony's not the same as he was, you know, at the 
in Iron Man 2 it was, you can't have my tech. Whereas in this one is he's willing to go up with the uh, the government. And he actually says to Steve, you know, I always, if I do this, you know, this will be enough. And then this. And then this. And maybe this is a compromise with Pepper that if I join up with the Accords type of thing. And I look at, he had just gotten to this point where he kept trying to be, you know, a lone gunman type of thing and realize that it's not going to work. I need to work with the government or else they're just going to take it from me. And that kind of propelled his course to where he winds up in Endgame. And also with Steve being in the middle between his best friend, his initial best friend, and now his current really good friend, you know, he's caught between the two and now their course kind of crossed and Steve goes to where he does, where he winds up. So I, I did like, um, I like that. I liked also how I remember going in, there was a discussion of Steve's going to die in this movie because that's how it is in civil war. And that basically the writers and directors said, no, everyone's expecting him to die. So we didn't kill him. And if he died, there'd be no repercussions for what happened in the movie. It's essentially the end of that story. So by keeping him alive there, the next movie with, with cap, there's going to be repercussions for not signing the accords, just like there was in this movie. So I thought that was, that was neat. How, most people were going in with one expectation and they knew that. So they just didn't do it that way. Yeah. And it, it was a smart move in general. I mean, it, it really, it really did continue, you know, Cap's entire arc with, you know, I mean, no longer being able to trust uh, his government and, and at the same time, not being able to, to, to trust, uh, you know, any, anybody really telling him what to do. He knows what, what is right for him and he's going to do that. And it was a and smart I think move. One thing that always kind of stood out to me with this movie is, is that, you know, the whole thing with the Accords and the way they handled it, you know, with with having that United Nations meeting, you know, council meeting to sign the Accords, and that's where T'Chaka dies. And obviously, Wakanda and T'Chaka and T'Challa are for the Accords. Which means the Accords obviously means they have to, you know, these superpower beings have to, you know, answer to this entity from the United Nations. And then I'm, and then throughout the whole rest of the movie, the Black Panther's like, well, I'm doing what I want. I'm going after the Winter Soldier myself. I'm going, I'm, so it's almost like a hypocrisy, you know, as a character. I'm like, well, yeah. You're well, for the Accords, but when it comes down to what you want to do, it's like, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do anyway. I don't have to answer to the Accords. So it's well, like, this is something that always bothered me. First of all, I thought Spider-Man has been written the best outside of his solo movie, and this was a good example. I was more on board seeing Spider-Man in this movie than I was at the end of Homecoming. I agree. But if if Peter sided with Tony's fraction, wouldn't he have had to sign the Accords and essentially reveal his identity to operate with them? And wouldn't shouldn't that cause... Tony to have some type of pause knowing that now Peter could potentially at some point be used by the government or anybody. Yeah. Or anybody. <laughs> uh, the, the U UN um, organization. And just another quick thing. I like the fact that they finally brought back Thunderbolt Ross. Yes. To kind yes. of connect that mm -hmm. incredible Hulk did is a part of this. Oh yeah. Even. One of the so comments I would that. make before, before we move on, because uh, Kevin makes an interesting point about, the way T'Challa is acting in this film, I, I, I think, I think what's going on there, and they, they establish this with the, the with the the scene at the very end when they're in Wakanda, 
is they're setting the audience up for the fact that the Black Panther and his his nation is so powerful that if if he feels that and he's always kind of a master unto himself and his motives and why he does what he does for the sake of his nation, I think he came to realize that it was in the interests of his own people that he side basically with Steve and Bucky ultimately when it came to and plus he realized when it, when like he remember he, he prevents Zemo from killing himself right yeah. and, and he, he realized that okay I, I was going down the wrong path because he saw himself in Zemo and that I'm going down the wrong path here and you know I, I, I forsake this the vengeance and then he, he realizes well you know the person I really need to support here is Steve yeah. and that's a, a, an important point because if you go through the comic history T'Challa and Steve are always very close allies yes throughout their entire history so yeah. That's an important point. Yeah. Yep. All right, Chris. Okay, so uh, two things, actually, gentlemen, because I have to bolt because i got to deal, to deal with my, my son, so I'm going to kind of just shout out my two-in-one and talk a bit about both, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Is yeah. that all right? I appreciate sure, it. Sure, uh, please do. Um, so, all right, Black Panther, as we all know, <laughs> and as many listeners know, I am a you know drooling Black Panther fan, especially of the Don McGregor, and Christopher Priest, Christopher Priest versions of the character. So my expectations for this film were extremely high. Um, I really love what I saw in Winter Soldier. I thought Bozeman was perfect in the role. I was hearing good things about the script. I, I already really enjoyed Michael B. Jordan in, in uh, Creed. And of course, as a kid, yeah. he was in The Wire. So I had high expectations. And my only concern was, okay, if they incorporate the best elements of the comic stories – especially the two writers I mentioned, this is going to be a great movie. And Ryan Coogler's the director, right? Is yep. it Ryan Coogler? Okay, so... <laughs> Correct. Going into the film, and, and I remember sitting there, I went with Ryan, sitting there watching the movie, and with just within a matter of minutes, I, I, I almost wept. Because I was like, this is it. Like, when they show Wakanda... And, and and like you know the, the subterfuge where you think it's like this third world country, and I won't use the term that our, our beloved president uses to describe African nations, but um, you know the, the the this whole subterfuge of what Condor really is, and they show like the central city and and the technology, and I, I was just oh, I, this is amazing, like the the the. The dedication to detail in that film, and I'm glad the costume designer won an Oscar because, holy mackerel, was it well-deserved. But every facet of Wakanda that I have been reading and loving for years, they put it all on the screen. The, 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 the different uh, aspects of the society, uh, the tribes, the history, the open, and the way they use the opening scene where Killmonger's father tells the history of Wakanda, and they had that great effect where they show like Wakanda through the the history of humanity, um, and when they showed the different tribes gathering for the ritual where he fights the man ape, um, Mbaku, and it, everything about the movie, like they bring in the, the spiritual element of of Bast, and 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 when he goes into the the spiritual realm to see the different panther gods and the the previous kings and. They they went all in like they they didn't shortchange anything. They didn't try to like tone down aspects of the comic book character or his world. This movie was so reverent to that world and so captured the essence of what makes the Black Panther such a compelling character. And they relied so heavily on the McGregor and the priest interpretations of the character. It was whether it was ever K. Ross 
or you know the, the politics of Wakanda. But as Shane mentioned, I think it was Shane, forgive me if it wasn't, Michael B. Jordan truly understood Killmonger. Because when you read Killmonger, in the comic too, he is a sympathetic character that you can kind of see where he's coming from. And you know, there's real depth to that character because he was created by Don McGregor, and that was brought to the screen. And and in many ways, he steals the film. And and with the way that character is portrayed, he really should. But again, the Dora Milaje and Chadwick Boseman, because Chadwick Boseman had in many ways had the, the toughest role because T'Challa is so restrained in so many ways because he has to be. And I think they really explored that uh, wonderfully as well. But it's one of the greatest, most reverent adaptations of a comic book I've ever seen. The look of it, the, the style, the spirit, the, the characters, uh, I, I, I revere it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, 100% yeah. agree. So I, I actually found uh, T'Challa to be maybe the third most interesting character in the movie because I – Killmonger. Um, which I, I found out afterwards, Michael B. Jordan had to go for therapy after the role just because of really? the thoughts huh. he had a, to, to get in that mindset. He had a, yeah. and then uh, Mbaka, Mbaku. I mean, uh, oh, I thought he was he was pretty he was awesome as well. I look forward. I'm to just kidding. We're season. vegetarians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is, and I'm just going to shout him on there when I apologize. Like, I got to go. But yeah, um, that's uh, obviously, it's Winter Soldier. And everything that you, we've already said about it, I, I concur wholeheartedly. I think why this movie is my number one is that it was the first Marvel movie that transcended the genre for me. Yeah. In that I sat back and went, wow, they're not kidding around here. Like, yeah, th- this is this is not just I mean, this is the comic book, but. They're doing like a 1970s spy film. And by the way, Robert Redford is one of my all-time favorite actors. And he's in two of the great conspiracy movies of the 70s, All the President's Men and Three Days of the Condor. Mm-hmm. And to put him in the villain role, mm-hmm. which he usually doesn't play, um, was so effective. And this is the first Marvel movie that, like I said I- – it just floored me because I realized, wow, that they're they're taking this whole universe in directions I never anticipated they would do with these films. And again, as we said, they really took pains to establish that Steve Rogers, again, it's his arc, right? Is is not only is a man out of time, he is not a man who will walk lockstep with the dictates of a, of a governing power. If he feels that in the, at his core of his being, it's wrong and it's harmful to the nation. And the ideals of the nation, he's pledged to defend. And they, like, like you guys said, the scene where he goes to Dick Fury, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't freedom. This is fear. Yeah. And, you know, they beautifully captured that aspect of his persona. And, and I, like you guys said, it is the best Black Widow performance of all the movies, hands oh, yeah. down. Yep. yep. The scene where they're driving in in the the car to New Jersey, and she's talking about basically what her life is like as a spy. Yeah. And what she does. And it's it's such a quiet moment. It's so well written by Marcus McFeely, and it's so well acted by Scarlett uh, Johansson. And I hope when they do this prologue film, they go far more into that because they need to show us what the Black Widow really was, why there was so much red in her ledger, as she put it, Yeah, basically. But 
Plus, as, as an aesthetic point, I love it when she has the long red hair because that's just the Black Widow to me, and that's mm, what she had in the right. film. But, yep. um, but it, it they establish their relationship and how loyal they are to each other and how she really reveres him because I, I've always felt like he, he – like Steve Rogers, his friendship is her redemption in many ways. Like he knows what she is because she's an assassin basically, right? Yeah. And, and, and he – he because it's Steve, right? And he embraces the potential she has, which you see then carried out throughout Endgame. But their their dynamic is so well done, and the way they bring Sam Wilson into this movie, like like Shane said, when when they show like when they're when they're on the mall and Steve's running, mm-hmm. and I remember when when they start talking, I'm in the theater going. Man, like they just got Sam Wilson in one scene. Yeah. How good is the writing in this movie? Yeah, and how perfectly cast is Anthony Mackie? And you believe their friendship right away when Steve goes to the to the VA wherever it is where where Sam's running. I yeah. love how they make like in the '60s, Sam's the social worker. So they update it now. He's like a counselor for veterans. Perfectly done. Yeah, yeah. and and you believe right away how how good a guy sam wilson is how selfless he is and how loyal he's going to be to steve and the the chemistry between the, between them is so well done in that film as it is between with with black widow as well and it, the the casting is pitch perfect the writing is pitch perfect and and in that and after that move I, I i knew i said all right eventually he's going to be captain america because yeah. they they've so perfectly captured the nobility <laughs> of the falcon the last thing i'll say is this movie has the most thrilling combat scene in all the MCU films. When he's fighting the Winter Soldier on that freeway, yeah, that combat scene is freaking amazing. I mean, the, the the choreography in that scene, like when Bucky's like flipping the knife from one hand to the other, and like they, yeah. like yep. Steve's like rolling with the shield and against the van, and I mean, it is a thrilling hand to hand combat scene, and and you realize how dangerous the Winter Soldier is uh, in that scene, and and you guys also have another great point. Nick Fury, bam, in this film, because they capture, again, the, the, the shades of gray of the character. And when he's, like, in Steve's apartment, like he's wounded sitting in the chair and the record player's playing. And, uh, you know, and again, Steve is uncomfortable with, 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 with Nick's world of espionage, as you guys mentioned. To me, this, this is, for me, far and away the best of all the Marvel films because it's more than a Marvel film. It's a great movie, yes. period. Exactly. Yep. And, and Go ahead. I was just gonna say, if I recall correctly, I believe the music at the end of Endgame, where where Steve and Peggy are dancing to, is the same wa- it's, record. It's what Fear plays. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! It's, and last, it's totally what Fury plays. And last little thing I say is the attention to detail. All the books in Steve's apartment. He's trying to catch up to the 21st century, and of course, the great list you see Star Trek on it and Star Wars and Nirvana. <laughs> sure. And you know, and then you know tri- they're playing the great Marvin Gaye song "Trouble Man in the Hospital," and and Sam is there when he wakes up. It's no one else; it's Sam. <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it's ah, oh, I, I got to watch it again. God damn it! Because it's a great movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that is favorite. one that I get Shawshanked on. Yeah. That anytime it's on, no matter what I'm doing, it's like, well, now I got to watch the end of this. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, brothers, I got to run. I got to uh, do some stuff with uh, put my uh, younger son to bed. He has to do some chores and all this. I won't bore you with the details, but. Uh, carry on of course with great grandeur thank you so much this is a wonderful topic and thanks to the listener I forgot who it was who recommended this a couple of years ago yep so <laughs> great cool. stuff thanks Chris Pretty all right. right brothers take care See we'll talk Chris. soon take care take Chris easy. yep bye
So I, I got to add two things to, to Civil War real quick. Um, uh, one being I spent the entire movie waiting for Robert Redford to take his face off and be the Red Skull underneath. I, I did as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that thought crossed my mind. I, I'm, I'm not upset that it didn't happen. Uh, but you know that that was definitely. I felt like they were telegraphing it, and then they didn't actually do it. So it was almost like having blue balls at the end of the movie. But whatever, it is what it is. Um, the other thing I love that they changed that list depending on which part of the world the movie was 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 playing in. So the the list with Captain America's you know things that he needs to that he needs to learn is different depending on what region you're watching the movie in. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yep. Yeah, there's like at least like five or six different versions of the list, uh, depending on oh, which cool. on which country you're in. So, good times. All right. So yeah. So so, uh, so Matt, you said you're number two already, uh, correct? Correct. It's Civil War. All right. Right on. So yeah, I pulled a Shane because once upon a time the movies were called Infinity War Part One and Two. So to me, they belong in the same position on the list. Uh, that they are a complete story. Like you get, you get Infinity War, you get Endgame together, you finish out the Infinity War arc, and they really do belong as one unit. And I will totally sit down and watch these movies as one five and a half hour movie at some point because clearly Agreed. I hate myself and don't want to go to the bathroom. Uh, but I, I adore every single thing that they set up and executed. In this com in this culmination of an epic saga, and we really got that in these two movies. Uh, we got we got you know what was what was you know we got the beginning and end of Thanos's arc throughout the course of the you know the different phases. This was the end in every single way. We got the end of Iron Man's arc. We got the end of Captain America's arc. So many brilliant, brilliant things were introduced in this. And some epic fight scenes, some beautiful spe- special effects. Uh, for, I mean, they, they pulled off Thanos and he felt like a real person as opposed to just a CGI effect, which was very important considering that he's, you know, the, the main villain of the piece and, and one of the main characters of the entire thing. Um, nobody felt like an ancillary character throughout throughout these movies. Everybody felt important. And it just, it, it fills me with joy watching these damn things like you know the the cliffhanger at the end of infinity war then leading on to how it ended and and where we wound up at endgame just all makes perfect sense for me and it it has to sit there on 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 my number two because i will i will watch these movies over and over again and it's the closest to an avengers comic book to me out of anything that we've gotten like we've gotten captain america comic books on the screen this is an avengers comic like I, you could see George Perez drawing, like the 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 culmination of everybody fighting against against Thanos and his army. Like that's yeah. that's clear in my head. So that's that's my number two, even if it's a cheat. <laughs> and that's okay. It's a good cheat. Well accepted. <laughs> good, good. Thank you. It's one of the few times I've cheated. Damn it. <laughs> All right, and Shane, you're number two. So. Mine's Iron Man, and I, we've said a lot about Iron Man already on the show, but but a couple things that I wanted to add was when you first see Tony from the perspective of inside the helmet, blew me away. Mm-hmm. With all the heads-up display and turning his head and it's everything's following him just as it would inside the armor, um, I thought it was just a brilliant way to do that. Um, 
what this movie did for me was the same thing as seeing the very first Superman. I believed a man could fly in a suit that he created. I could believe Superman could fly the way they did it back in 79. I really could believe that this was a suit that could be fully produced and they just got it 100% right from start to finish from the acting, uh, from casting Robert Downey Jr. As, as we've all already said, everything about this movie just screamed. I cannot believe that Marvel did something this perfect. And here we go on this exhilarating ride from here on. Now at that time, we had no idea where they were going other than to say, Hey, there, this is the first of a lot of movies that are going to come out. That's great. Now in hindsight for this to be the impetus of an entire movie universe for Marvel uh, was absolutely brilliant. And, and I applaud John, John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. And um, anybody who was involved with getting it made and convincing the studios that this is the way they had to go because it, it's what's going to propel everything to the next level. Yep. And it it started things off exactly the way that they needed to, you know? And, and I'm not convinced that they knew that that's what they were doing when they made it because this one and then Hulk came out, like like we said, right after. Mm-hmm. And then there was a year. 2009 had nothing. Yep. And then 2010 was Iron Man 2, and that's really where it started. But they did it in such a way that it made sense, even if it wasn't intended to be the beginning of a 20-some movie universe, it was still a damn good movie all on its own. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and in fact, uh, we know that they didn't plan it ahead of time because they had to film that uh, that Incredible Hulk uh, mid-credits scene after the fact. You know, uh, okay. That, that, okay. That, that they, you know, that, that was not planned. In fact, even the even the Avengers initiative scene was the last thing they filmed because they didn't know if they wanted to do it or not. And then eventually they yeah. went ahead and decided that this is the way to go to try and build something. And when that when that went off as as amazing as it did, then they went ahead and built and, and filmed, uh, you know, uh, Iron Man's cameo in The Incredible Hulk. And then uh, we, you know, we went forward from there. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just it's, incredible. Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking about it with, with Robert Downey Jr. 10, uh, 22 movies, 11 years, and he was in at least a movie every year except 2009 when they did none. And I think there was one other year that he wasn't in one. But every other one, he's in some part. It might have been a cameo or bigger part or it was his own movie but that's that's pretty hard to do that many movies in such a short amount of time absolutely yeah he's a, he's a workhorse he absolutely is plus he likes making money that too well yeah, yeah that doesn't hurt <laughs> yeah how many times is his contract re uh, redone oh my god oh, yeah yeah, no. I mean, I mean, again, once upon a time, uh, Terrence Howard was the was the highest paid uh, person in Iron Man, which is the reason why he was not in Iron Man two, and, yep. and yeah. they, they certainly corrected that for future movies. <laughs> All right, here we are with our number ones, uh, and I'll just go out and say it that my number one is Iron Man. So <laughs> there, there, there we go with that. I, I decided to, to to keep keep myself uh, going with uh, with what I had originally planned for most top fives when i talk about uh, marvel movies and it's sticking with that matt what's your number one well i'm gonna stick with the uh, complete set of marcus and mcfeely and go with uh, winter soldier nice 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 uh kevin you're number one uh winter soldier awesome and, Shane? and mine's infinity war brilliant 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's hard for me to not pick Iron Man as number one. Just just because, again, we would not be sitting here right now talking about our top five MCU movies without Iron Man. Um, it it set the standard. It set the it it set us on this road. And you know, again, you guys, we've talked about it so much on this episode already. But that Downey Downey is fantastic. The ensemble cast all worked brilliantly together, and it crafted a story that was both at the same time being so comic book and yet so real and grounded that it just completely blew away every single expectation I could have possibly had for the damn thing and it proved that this was possible that it was possible to have a full universe and to not just have a movie that you went and saw that was based on a comic book where you went yeah that was pretty good and then walked out of the theater and you know left it as it is you know I mean the Raimi Raimi Spider-Man movies are great but they were their own thing the this first two. Exa- yes, the first two. Yeah, hey, th- there's, yeah. P- there's parts of three that are decent, just not the whole thing. The thing. first half. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> although although uh, nothing will ever beat me and Rafa and, and Raf Suhu walking down the street after the movie doing the uh, the Spider-Man dance. That was that was good times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they, they set the standard, they set their goals high, and they met every single one uh, in, in spades. So it's 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 a damn good movie and it deserves to be number one on my list so there we go cool all right well uh, just before we go i just to talk a little bit uh more about winter soldier i know we, we discussed it sure to death but just kind of walk around a little bit in, in my opinion the first 22 movies the captain america uh, trilogy is probably the most solid of all the trilogies we've seen I think part of that is you essentially have the same directors, at least for the back two. You have the exact same writers throughout the entire run. One of the biggest criticisms I read early on is you don't have any iconic theme music. So everyone, when they hear uh, Elfman's Batman, you know who it is. Uh, Williams, Superman, you know what it is. Bond, you know what it is. MCU, people don't know. But I, I think the Avengers also follows this. The um, they use the same conductor or composer, so it's Alan. Uh, I want to say Silvestri, but I don't think that's Silvestri. Right. Yeah. Okay. So he did Avengers. He did first Avenger. He did Infinity War, and he did the uh, uh, Endgame. And then you have I think it's Henry Jackson who did Winter Soldier. And then he also did uh, Civil War. So you do have some type of continuity. Uh, so music-wise, that's that's another feather in the cap, you know, pun intended, of uh, of those movies is there is consistency with the music. I know I really liked the themes of, of Iron Man, but they didn't bring back that composer for any of the other movies. Uh, strangely enough, I don't know if you saw Pacific Rim. That composer does the music for Pacific Rim oh, the yeah. first time. I, I heard the movie before I watched it. I was like, wait a minute, is this Iron Man? Because there's some certain portions of their theme that sounded exactly the same yep but uh so to me the reason why i got to put captain america trilogy in my top five is because like i said it's the most solid of all the trilogies that we've seen in the mcu thus far yeah i agree yeah and 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 i and i i have that in my head at all times so that's uh that that's the most iconic theme for me in 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 all of the Mm. mcu i think (laughs) sticks out for me 
Uh, Kevin, you got anything to add on on, on your number well, one? Well, I mean, I guess you know we've 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 touched upon it a couple times. So uh, the one thing I can embellish is for me is that I my experience was I remember sitting in the theater watching uh, Born Identity, and and I'm watching this movie. And like, especially in the scene in the diner when he's like, you know, oh, do you have well, how many cars in the parking lot? And the other license plate, how many exits are? Da, 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 da. And I'm sitting here watching that, going like, this is what I want in a Captain America movie. You know, this is the kind of feel I want in a Captain America movie. Which at that point, you know, we've only had, you know, the the uh, the, the one that uh, Albert Pion did. Um, but so I. I just was like, wow, if I want a Captain America movie, I want it to feel like this, you know? And, and when I saw winter soldier, I got that feeling again. And I was like, they did it. You know, they, um, you know, they captured all those essences of what makes the character, the character and, and again, embellished upon it and even made it better in my opinion, to some extent. Um, and and I agree with Chris's comment wholeheartedly is that it isn't just a genre film superhero movie. It's a great film. And yeah. I can watch it anytime and I thoroughly enjoyed it every time I watch it. It's it's just a great movie. They just did so so much with it and so well with it and all those different levels with the espionage and the spies and you know, every it was just everything was yep. just a a beautiful bowl of soup, you know, it was everything <laughs> tasted great. So, you know, uh, one of the things I'll always remember about the movie is we were doing the review because this that came out in 2014. Right. And, and you were on that, Kev. Uh, and we you had asked the question, did Jamie get to see this before he passed away? And I believe it's the last MCU movie he got to see before yeah. he passed away. Yeah, I made um, the comment in there saying I'm glad he got to see that. Yeah. Before. Before and, you know he passed, because yeah. with him being the the fan of the character as he was, I mean to see that, I mean you you saw it, you saw it all. So oh yeah, and I I remember when when Meg and I were kicking around names for our son, and that was one of the moments that I thought of when I suggested Evan for Chris Evans, and part of that is kind of a nod to Jamie being a Cap fan, and that some of the other variations of Captain America and Steve Rogers. We couldn't use because of family members or because we didn't really like. <laughs> I, but Evan is what I threw out there, and, and she liked it. So that moment of what you're saying, thinking of Jamie and this movie, kind of brought all all that at the same time when I was like, well, what about Evan? Yeah. So, yeah, all those elements. Were at, fan, you know, I agree. Sure. That's, that's a really cool way of going about it and a great perspective and a way to uh, uh, embellish on it just like they did. You know, you taking it to a different element and, and – that's that's awesome, and I love I love ha- him having to like jump from like helicarrier to helicarrier, and then having that fight scene is just oh, yeah. oh it's yeah. freaking brilliant. Episode fourteen seventy five, by the way, for any of you wanting to listen to our uh, the Winter Soldier movie review, episode fourteen seventy five. Wow, awesome. Yep. All right, and Shane, go ahead and roll us out. Uh, Infinity War, you know, for me, and I agree with you, uh, Ian, I, I almost did the same thing where <laughs> it's really one movie, the, yeah. the entire Infinity War endgame. Um, but Infinity War in particular, for me, has become something that I can watch, and, and so many of these can, but I can watch that at any time. 
I just throw it on my phone, throw it in a DVD player, whatever it is, and I get enthralled in it. I, I, I intend to just sit there and watch a couple minutes and then go do something while it's playing in the background, and I never make it. It's It's always so visually spectacular watching all these different facets of all these different characters come together, all the interactions from the moment you're, you're in New York after Hulk crashes into this uh, sanctum sanctorum. And, and from that point on, you're on a ra- a roller coaster and, and everybody ends up where they are and everybody gets to battle Thanos and nobody can do anything about it. And the inevitability of it still happens and they lose. And you're heartbroken at the end of it, um, and and then you get into the end game, which which is spectacular unto itself. But the way Thanos looks, the way that they they did the effect with the machinery that was around his head, as as he was acting to portray that character, the 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 way his face comes through in Thanos is just incredible. Um, the way they bring Captain America and shows up to help save Vision from part of Thanos' team. Uh, it, it, just so many different aspects of this movie are just beautifully done. And you really think, man, maybe there's a chance. Maybe they will pull it off and, and maybe the next part will be something else. Maybe maybe they'll win. They could. <laughs> They're close. No, no, they yeah. lost. I, I, How it, great is it that line that Cap gives? Um, we don't trade lives. Yeah, uh, division. I mean, that got you know the brought up again a little bit later, and I was like, man, that, that's a Cap seems to have those those moments in these movies that it's a rallying speech or just was like one bit line that you're like, oh yeah, I can get I, behind this guy. I can as, I'll as run through a brick be. wall. As yeah. it well, absolutely should be. Yeah, he's the anchor of the team, and that's and so every time you can count on him to have that position, and you can always go to him, and that's the character. Well, and and I love things that happen even even when they get to Avengers base and Rhodey's there having the holographic meeting with um uh what's his name? Oh my Thunderbolt god. Thunderbolt Rolls. Thunderbolt. And he's like, you know, it's only because you're calling them criminals that they're criminals. Even Rhodey is now to the point where he's kind of turning his opinion to rally behind Cap and, and yeah. hey, Tony's missing now as of just a few minutes and we've got to do something because you're not going to be able to do anything about it. You know, Ross. Yeah. It's it's, character, you know, good character growth and yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, everything, everything builds upon what happened directly beforehand. And that, and that's, and that's what I, what I love about all this stuff is that, you know, nothing is ever a throwaway. You know, if, if, if a character does something in, in the movie before, it's going to reflect how they are in the next movie, and yeah. and that's absolutely the case with 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 Cap and with and with Rhodey and with and with and with Tony and with everybody here, and and that's what makes you know Infinity War so grand is that everything you know culminates together into this this perfectly delicious uh, meal, and it's it it just works on so many different levels. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I one of my favorite things is still the interaction between. Doctor Strange and Tony Stark. Oh yeah, of, yep. I mean, they just they, again talk about characterization. You know, you take a character that's been around for ten years, and then a character that's been around for two years, and and mm-hmm. he's right there with him, bantering and you know not buying his bullshit, and you know <laughs> it was just it was just fun. It was fun to watch. You know, yeah, it sure the was. only part 
the only thing I didn't like is that they is a missed opportunity to hear uh, "No Shit Sherlock" by one of them. That's to the what other. I thought too. Some, some kind of reference in that way, yeah. Cumberbatch was same, against same. it. Cumberbatch was against it. That, that that's the entire oh, reason it? it didn't happen. Yeah, that they, yeah. they, they, they oh, brought that up. Interesting. Yeah, they brought that up at one point, and uh, he he thought that would have been too stupid. It would have been too uh, too throwaway, you know. Huh. I, I wonder if in hindsight he he wished that he would because I was I was reading that uh, Karen Gillum wished she would have put a couple more Doctor Who references <laughs> into Endgame. So I wonder if looking back, if Cumberbatch Cap- would have been like, yeah, I guess we could have thrown that in there. Eh, yeah. who, who knows? I mean, I, I, I continue to say I love the fact that, you know, both sets of Sherlock and and and, and Watson are in Watson's, the MCU. Yeah. Now. Yep. <laughs> I also get a kick out of um, Bilbo and Gollum having scenes together. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. what, what was it I saw in an interview with... Um, I forget the name of the actor who plays Ross, but um, he said something like, we were known as the Tolkien white boys on set. Yep. (laughs) I thought that was kind of funny. I love that nickname. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Any any alternates uh, that we want to throw out there and give honorable mentions to, or uh, or, or are we good to go? Uh, I... I, you know, I, I think with having to try to hone this down to five, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable with my five and I don't want to, cool. I don't want to go beyond that. Can I propose that after, uh, far from home, come mm-hmm. out, that we do numbers 10 through 15 to make it more interesting <laughs> just to I think see we should just list them yeah right <laughs> well i mean we could do that but but i just think to me that's a harder one because yeah i i feel like you get once you get close to the top 10 i think there's a huge drop off before you get to the next say five you're right i think the yeah. bottom five for the most part are, are easy at least for me are easy it, it's kind of 15 through like nine that's kind of i shouldn't say 50 i guess like 17 through 9 that that seems to be more of the the questionable of well how much more is this better than than that one type oh, of thing yeah. i think there's a, oh, yeah. some mediocreness in there that yeah i mean it, it was hard for me not to you know not to put avengers or uh or civil war in my list i mean i i knew it would be well covered uh by by you yeah. guys it's just uh you know it's 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 totally what i'm what i'm feeling in this particular moment which is the case with yeah. all these top fives and and that's this was the first time Avengers wasn't in my top five. Yeah, yep. You know, I forgot to bring this up because it's one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, uh, Civil War, when he uh, pulls down the helicopter. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to, there's just something about that scene I've watched over and over, just a two minute bit that just amazes me. Just to see, and, and I wonder if if Cap in the comics is that strong, but uh, I just think that was complete. That was perfectly shot. The the. Like I, I bought the that entire sequence. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. That that and the other sequence I totally bought was uh, Tony Stank. I have mail for oh, Tony yeah. Stank. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that, that's Robert Downey Jr.'s favorite memory of uh, of Stan, Stan Lee. Lee. Oh, yeah, that's man. that is one of my favorite cameos of his. Yeah, that's great. That is great. All right, guys. I think we, we did it. We did it, and we shot our bolt, and I think we did a damn good job of it. I yep. agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, thanks, thanks again for joining us, uh, everybody. And uh, I think there's no better way to do to end this than Shane. You ready? Yep. All right. Visit us at comicgeekspeak.com to send us an email. The address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. 
If you leave a voicemail, the number is 267-702-6642. Stop by thecomicforums.vanillacommunity.com and let us know your top five. And please don't scream at us for ours. And comment on this. Well, I just said that. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Thanks to everyone who contributes to the episodes and supports us. We appreciate it. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. Laser beams of pain like the seasons and everything.